This is 89.1 WEMU, and it's time for Creative Impact. WEMU's exclusive and award-winning show featuring the artists, creative people, businesses, and organizations impacting Washtenaw County's quality of life, place, and economy. I'm Deb Pollack, President and CEO of Creative Washtenaw, and your guest. So Stephen Warner is an organist of sanctuaries and screens. Whether it's at a cathedral of worship like the Jefferson Avenue Presbyterian Church in Detroit or a movie palace like the Michigan Theater in Ann Arbor, the pipe organ is his instrument. Uh, we're here to talk with Stephen, and Stephen, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Deb. So, you know, I was um, having a conversation with my granddaughter recently, and she's soon to be in the fifth grade, and she was talking about what instrument she was going to choose to play. And we discussed the fact that it might be a good idea to pick an instrument that she could carry back and forth to school. A pipe organ doesn't fit that criteria. (laughs) How did you find yourself playing at a console on a big, huge instrument like the pipe organ? Well, uh, for many of us, it's a, a key early exposure. Uh, for me, I had a, a couple little exposures. Uh, my grandparents uh, were involved at the University of Michigan School of Music, and there was a dedication recital of a new organ in Burdickville, which is near the Sleeping Bear Dunes. I lived up in Traverse City, and I saw a recital there uh, with someone who later became one of my teachers and my uncle playing flute dedicating this little pipe organ when I was probably between four and five years old. Uh, And then the second exposure really uh, was uh, a family trip to Grand Rapids, and we went to the uh, what was called the Roaring Twenties Pizza Parlor, which had a theater organ uh, from an old theater, played live for the diners. And I was completely captivated and said, I want to do that. And did you did you start as a keyboardist and then you moved into that, or was organ number one? Uh, we chose to start with piano because it was the most practical thing, but we found a piano teacher that uh, also taught organ. Um, I didn't actually start really playing the organ seriously until I was 13. Uh, so we just stuck with piano, but always listened to the organ as much as we could. Um, there weren't a lot of instruments up in Traverse City, but enough, and we had interlocking nearby, so we always went out and caught recitals out there as they occurred. And, and I believe I understand that the study of organ is often more classically based. You found yourself in and moved into theater organ. How did that transition take place? Well, I always wanted to do theater organ, and uh, but there weren't any to be had in my hometown at the, when I was growing up. There is an instrument up there now at the Music House Museum. So the pipe organ an instrument in a church or a cathedral versus a theater organ they're they're, they're different in- instruments. Very, very different. I mean, there's, they're both essentially pipe organs, but the way a theater organ is set up and laid out um, and mechanically disposed is quite different and providing a lot of different opportunities uh, for how the organist uses it. Um, it is actually a, uh, it derived from an invention uh, by Robert Hope Jones, who was an English uh, electrical engineer who uh, came over to the States And uh, his inventions were kind of absorbed by the industry at that perfect moment when suddenly we needed instruments in movie theaters uh, accompanying films uh, because the theaters were getting bigger and the uh, piano was not big enough to fill a room and uh, hiring an orchestra wasn't an option for every uh, movie house. So the pipe organ fit the bill and all the pipe organ industry grew 
and uh, filled that particular market void for almost 20 years. And and so, um, the, as you said, the the organ filled the filled the room. We had silent movies, um, and, but the but the music always was part of the experience. And and an organ took pl- that role and was able to play a myriad of different sounds to 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 accompany the work. Is that is that a rather accurate depiction? Yes, indeed. Um, so uh, the, the theater organ has the physical differences with a regular church organ are that uh, the instrument has uh, each of the set of pipes in the instrument is accessible independently. So, for example, the Barton organ I'll be playing at the Michigan Theater has 13 sets of pipes. Uh, which on a church organ isn't all that large, but on that instrument, they are disposed of in a way that it actually derives almost 130 stops, different combinations of sounds. It also has actual percussions that are played uh, by air pressure, and um, so you have uh, you have xylophones and glockenspiels and marimbas, and, uh, and then you also have sound effects that you would use for foley uh, in the silent film as well. So, um, I, my, my first experience with a theater organ was The Thief of Baghdad. And I was always thought silent film was kind of campy and, you know, all that. But five minutes in, if the music had stopped, I would have been completely lost. Do you recall your very first experience with a silent film and orchestra or music? I think, actually, my first silent film live was at the Michigan Theater my freshman year, and Jim Leaf was accompanying the film at that time. Do you recall the film? It it was Nosferatu. (laughs) Well, we're going to get to that in just a second. 89.1 WEMU's Creative Impact continues. Stephen Warner, theater organist of Stars and Screen, is my guest. So... You mentioned Nosferatu. I'm so glad we're here and doing this right now because it is almost Halloween. And for years now, in fact, so many years it's become a tradition, the Michigan Theater shows this 1922 film classic, Nosferatu. And it's recognized widely as the first and perhaps the best, and in my opinion, the creepiest vampire movie ever. You're going to be seated at the council at the 1928 um, Barton Organ playing the music for this film, which now I know is the first silent film you ever saw with an accompaniment. So how cool is that? Oh, it's, it's great fun. This is actually probably my 18th performance of this film, which for veterans is not a lot. But for me, it's one of the few artistic creations that I have that's actually been scaled somewhat. <laughs> so you 18 times. Um, so are, you're, are you playing a score or do you make it up? Is it impromptu every time? What I am doing is performing a compiled score. So I have selected existing material and applied it to different scenes and action of the film. And in this case, for Nosferatu, uh, most of the source music is actually by uh, Edvard Grieg, and the bulk of it's actually from his piano sonata, which isn't a very well-known piece. Uh, the advantage to that is that it kind of creates a natural cohesion, having all of this music mostly from the same composer. But also, Greek was used a lot in silent film accompaniment. If you um, purchase silent film music collections, which actually were published in the teens and 20s, uh, Grieg was used a lot because it's very, very depictive. Um, it's a lot of character pieces. And uh, so it's very useful to apply 
to drama and action and emotive scenes. So, um, so, so you're working with that source material, but does modern day music, does anything come into it that brings it uh, to today for the audiences listening? Or do you stick to pretty uh, much tradition? Uh, I think in, in this case, uh, this, this particular score is pretty much traditional. And, you know, what is relevant for today in terms of musical content, if you listen to any current score being written for uh, a Netflix show, particularly something more traditional like a Star Wars show or something like, I guess that'd be Disney Plus, um, you know, those scores are all very, I guess what you'd say, tonally traditional. So, um, you know, the, the, the music is very tonally traditional in, in this case. Um, you know, it, of course, it's reflecting my emotional reaction to the film. And what I hope is uh, honors the intent of filmmaker. So I'm thinking um, of, of sounds of chords and things like that. Any, anything you can describe or even maybe play for us in a well, minute? Well, uh, for example, the uh, the main theme, uh, which is quite creepy, is actually the main theme of the piano sonata, and uh, which goes kind of like this. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Well, we can't wait to see it this weekend at the Michigan Theater and hear it at the Michigan Theater. Stephen, thank you so much for being with us today, and um, I'm certain that you're going to be thrilling the audiences. Thanks for being on our show. Thank you. Thank you. That's pipe organist Stephen Warner. He's playing the organ accompaniment for the Halloween classic Nosferatu at the Michigan Theater this year. Find out more about Stephen and Nosferatu at WEMU.org. You've been listening to Creative Impact. I'm Deb Pollack, your host, and Matt Hobson is our producer. We invite you to join us every Tuesday to meet the people who make Washtenaw creative. This is 89.1 WEMU-FM, Ypsilanti Public Radio from Eastern Michigan University. <laughs>